Yo, what is going on everyone? My name is Nick or The Notorious Fantasy and in today's video, we'll be going in depth into my week number 17 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside of today's video, we'll be going through every single matchup of the week from Thursday night football all the way up until Sunday night football because there's no Monday night football this week and I'll be telling you guys whether I like or dislike the running backs in all of those games for what for a majority of you guys, is your championship game for the 2023 fantasy football season. But before we could get into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. So without further ado, let's get into championship week. Week 17, running back, start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with Thursday Night Football, the New York Jumbo Jets at the Cleveland Browns. Now, this is a matchup that on paper may not be that exciting, right? I know cool Joe Flacco has been on fire, but Joe Flacco versus Trevor Simeon doesn't really get the blood flowing downstairs. But hey, this could be a game that has some very solid fantasy pieces, beginning with Brees Hall running back of the Jets. Now, Brees Hall had a game of the ages last week in week 16 against the Commanders. He legitimately smacked him silly in that game with 20 rushes for 95 yards and 12 receptions on 16 targets for 96 yards. And for the cherry on top, two total touchdowns for 43 fucking points. 43 fantasy points. 12 catches as a running back is insane, but that wasn't even the most insane part about his day. He had 191 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. Now look, I fully understand that this matchup up against the Browns is harder than your Johnson off of some Viagra, but regardless, I think Hall should be considered a low-end running back too, at the very least due to the amount of weekly upside he has, and due to the fact that the MILF Hunter won't be playing again, so we're getting Trevor Simeon, and that means that Brees Hall might get eight-plus targets again this week. I understand the matchup is far from ideal, but I still think at the very least, Brees Hall could be a top 24 back with the upside of potentially hop, skipping, and jumping into the top 10 at the running back position. For the other Jets running backs, we got Dalvin Cook and Izzy. Now, Dalvin Cook saw a grand total of zero touches last week, and Israel Abracadabra, Abekanakanda, Izzy, the backup running back or the running back three for the Jets, he saw nine carries. Now, regardless of who ends up as the running back two for the Jumbo Jets this week, you shouldn't be starting them. Now, the Browns are a very fun offense to watch. And earlier on in the season, you would have expected once Nick Chubb went down, nine-inch Nicholas Chubb goes down, that Jerome Ford was going to get fed like a fat kid at a buffet. But Jerome Ford hasn't really gotten that. Jerome Ford F-150 saw his highest amount of carries since week 10 last week against the Texans with 15, though he took those 15 carries to average or to get 25 rushing yards. Not very good, right? Sure, he fell into the end zone, but he scored less than 10 fantasy points. I like Ford, and I think he's a solid running back, but how much this team wants to throw the ball with Joe Flacco 40-plus times every single game, and you match that with the fact that Jerome Ford has been as ineffective as it gets as of recently, there is no need to play him, especially since they're playing up against the Jets. Now, Kareem Hunt also scored a touchdown last week, 
and outscored Jerome Ford. The thing is, both of these running backs are essentially having a mid-off on who can average less yards per carry. They have both been about as effective as bringing a knife to a gunfight, so I would definitely stay away from both of these Cleveland backs, again, especially with how much Joe Flacco's been throwing weekly. Now, we move to Saturday Night Football, just one game on Saturday this week, the Detroit Lions at the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Jameer Gibbs has now had two straight weeks as the running back number three in PPR, and I truly believe that can be replicated this week in Jerry's world. Last week, in a tougher matchup up against the cold like Minnesota Vikings, he had 15 carries for 80 yards, as well as four receptions on seven targets for 20 yards and two touchdowns. He has now had back-to-back -back games not only just as the running back three, but with two touchdowns. I would personally be shook to the core if he finished outside of the top 12 running backs this week. So I truly believe that Jameer Gibbs is a must start running back. Now, while Jameer Gibbs has been taking the defense to the cleaners, Monty continues to just churn out decent games. Now, it's not like at the beginning of the season when David Montgomery was on top of the world, but he's been pretty reliable, even with Gibbs balling out of control. Last week, he had 17 carries for 55 yards and two receptions on two targets for 14 yards and a touchdown. Montgomery really does feel like a true safety net at the running back position, like throwing a Trojan over your team for him to be a top 24 guy. While him going out there and dropping his nuts, scoring 25 plus points may not be as plausible anymore with Gibbs playing as well as he had. He should, David Montgomery being a top 24 guy in the running back two range, somewhere from like running back 18 to 24 every week. I got him right now ranked in that exact range as the running back 20 to 24 range. But, you know, I know that we, it might have sounded like we were shitting on David Montgomery a little bit. He's still a very reliable back. And if you're a top 24 guy, you are definitely worth starting. Now we move to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, early on in the season, Pollard was on a bit of the struggle bus, right? Pollard definitely wasn't playing as we expected him to based upon where we drafted him. Some leagues, he was a first round pick. Other leagues, he was a second round pick. But regardless of where you drafted him, you were definitely hoping for a lot more than what we got earlier on in the season. But recently, his whole world got flipped upside down, right? Weeks 11 through 14, he's balling, he's an upper echelon running back, but over the last two weeks, that world did truly get flipped upside down like he's the fucking fresh prince of goddamn Bel Air, and he's been the running back 36 and 46 over the last two weeks. Now, I am definitely starting to worry. The problem is, while I'm not, why I'm not panicking too much, right? While I'm not hitting the mayday, mayday, wee-woo, wee-woo, button, like not smacking the DEFCON 1 button, is because they are playing the Lions. So I can't rank him as RB1 right now, but he's definitely going to end up as a high-end running back two in my rankings. Rico Dowdle, you might just get hit with though Rico McMillie, had two rushes for a couple yards last week. Cowboys Twitter is in a frenzy right now saying that Dowdle needs to be the starter, but we all know that's gonna, not going to happen, and there's no way Dowdle's better than Tony Pollard. Dowdle most weeks sees five or more carries, so there's really no need to even consider him regardless of how you view 
the Lions defense. Next up, we move to the Sunday slate, the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. Now, last time these two teams played, Mac Jones turned into fucking Patrick Mahomes and absolutely embarrassed the Bills in a triumphant victory. Zeke was also the backup in that game for Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre, at this point in the season, has missed virtually all of December, and I don't expect him to suit up this week. The Bills' run defense is not the best, so I fully expect Zeke to finish as a middle-of-the-road running back, too, right? I'm not going to sit here and give him the Gawk Gawk 9000 special, but I think he should be, at the very least against the Bills, a very decent running back. Last week against Denver... Sure, he didn't carry the ball very effectively, right? 12 rushes for 27 yards is pretty shit. But he had 11 targets, 9 receptions for 33 yards, and a touchdown. Zeke has been pretty reliable once he became the starter for Stevenson, so I will just believe in him yet again as a guy in the running back 2 range. Kevin Harris is Zeke's backup and isn't the worst player on earth. He actually averages 4.2 yards per carry when given opportunity this season, but Harris will likely only see around six touches in this game. And even if the Bills defense gets bukkake again like they did back in week seven by the Patriots, I will not be starting Kevin Harris for the Buffalo Bills in a game where the Buffalo Bills almost lost to Easton Stick. A Easton Stick-led Chargers team. Hook had a fine NFL game, right? You watch the game, 20 carries for 70 yards. That's fine, but that's not a good fantasy game because the targets weren't really there for him. Prior to last week, he was a top 12 running back in four straight games. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Dalvin Cook is quote-unquote cooked for the last two games of the season because ever since Joe Brady took over as the offensive coordinator, this offense has shift, shifted into fifth gear, right? Like they're fucking Vin Diesel or something. So don't overreact too much. I expect Cook to be a top 12 running back, just like he was all the way back in week seven when they had a stooge offensive coordinator up against the Patriots. Next up, we move to the Hotlanta Falcons at the Chicago, Chicago Bears. Now, Bijan had a real good game up against the Indianapolis Colts last week at home in Atlanta with 12 carries for 72 yards and seven receptions on 10 targets for 50 yards. <laughs> Round of applause for Bijan Robinson. Now, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, right? Put a fucking tinfoil hat on here, but, and this is a big but, shout out to Kim Kardashian, ever since the bye week, Bijan has had a great game and a down game, then a great game, then a bad game, and then a great game again. So if this trend continues, Bijan Robinson is going to serve us a steaming pile of dog shit in this game in Chicago. With all that said, I don't want to galaxy brain myself here. Bijan is a high-end running back, too. Due to the matchup being kind of spotty, I know the Bears' defense wasn't the best last week, but I think that the Bears' defense is still pretty solid up against the run. Plus, you still have to deal with the fact that their head coach, Arthur Smith, is an absolute dunce. But with Heineke under center, the targets may be flooded more towards Bijan, making him slightly safer than he was with Desmond Ritter. Now, we did just sing the praises, hallelujah, of Bijan Robinson while he was stunting on the Colts' defense. Algier also had a solid showing with nine carries for 69 yards, 
Very nice. I like my name of Borat with one reception on 19 yards and a touchdown. Now, I hope Algier gets completely phased out of this offense for Bijan's sake, but I know that is not going to happen, right? We all know anyone with enough brain cells to rub together realizes that Algier is still going to be involved. If you're on a real pickle, you can start Algier, but in most cases, I think he should be on your bench. Now, Khalil Herbert for the Bears went nuclear. He went bananas last week with Foreman out against the cards with 20 rushes for 112 yards and one reception for nine yards and a touchdown. With that said, assuming that Foreman is back, this will basically mean that the Bears offense is going to look back to having the triple-headed running back approach, which sure might work for the Bears winning this game potentially. But it sucks for fantasy when Herbert, Foreman, and Johnson are metaphorically splitting the load together, spreading all backs too thin to be useful. Roshan Johnson, if Foreman misses, Roshan will be the running back too. If Foreman plays, Roshan will be lucky to get five carries. He is a clear sit for me. If, 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 if we were to see Foreman miss again, Herbert would enter... Still probably being a sit, but he would be a higher-end sit, right? Like, if you're in a real pickle, like we talked about with Algier, I'd probably rather have Herbert than Algier if that was the scenario. Next up, we move to the Las Vegas Raiders at the Indianapolis Colts. Now, Jonathan Taylor returned last week after missing three straight games and put up a pretty bad performance. Now, he definitely, if you started him, didn't bend your team over a table, right? He wasn't the reason why you lost due to his touchdown, but the whole Colts offense pretty much shit the bed. This week against the Raiders, I suspect a better game out of JT, but I won't sit here and bang the drum and say that he's a locked and loaded top 12 option. For me, he's a lower end running back too. For most teams, he is in your lineup, but the Raiders defense might actually be sneaky good. So that is another thing that's kind of worrying me slightly about JT. Again, I'm not full on panic mode, but I'm not ready to rank him as a RB1 again. For Trey Sermon, while he does spread the good word, without Moss last week, Sermon split the work with Tyler Goodson. If Moss is out yet again with that forearm injury, I expect the RB2 role to be a split behind JT. So obviously both of them would be a sit if Moss was able to play Zach Moss. Then guess what? They would both, or Zach Moss would be a sit as well. For the Raiders, we got a bit of a tough situation at running back, and it is a very easy situation to break down, but it's tough to know which guy will actually be the starter this week. Now, Jacobs has missed the last two games, and I was genuinely shocked that he didn't end up suiting up against the Chiefs. Sure, he's been dealing with a quad injury, but everything prior to kickoff on Monday, like Saturday, Sunday, everything was telling us that, hey, Josh Jacobs should be good to go. Now, I get, sure, maybe it wasn't the quad, maybe it was just that he was ill, right? He was sick, so he wasn't able to go. But obviously, that was definitely very weird that he didn't end up playing. I think this week he should play, but I am as much of a doctor as Johnny Sins, so I won't guarantee that for you guys if he plays. I play him. The Colts defense can definitely be ran um, a train on, so I think that this should be a good game out of Jacobs. If he plays, he will be a lower-end running back, too, for me, since the Raiders offense's output is very different from week to week. Some weeks, like up against the Chargers, the offense looks unstoppable. Last week, they look good, but not every game looks like the last two weeks. Again, if Jacobs is to play, I would find it very hard to make an argument against sitting him when he's healthy. Now, if he doesn't play, that leaves the door wide open for Zamir 
White. If Jacobs is out, then you got to go ahead and throw White into that same category as Jacobs being a start. Jacobs has done well when he was the lead back, obviously, but Zamir White, not saying that he looks way better, but Zamir White has been more consistent than Jacobs has been when uh, Zamir White has gotten the opportunity. He has had two straight games in a row as the lead back and looked good in both. He even rushed for 145 yards in Kansas City last week in a very hostile environment. If Jacobs was to suit up, I still think that you'd be lucky to see White get five touches, so he would be a sit in that case. But again, if Jacobs was to miss, then you definitely want White in your lineup. Next up, we move to the LA Rams at the New York Football Giants. Now, Kyron Williams has been dealing out back shots recently to his opponents with four of his last five games as a top 12 back with at least one touchdown in all of those four games. And his only game outside the top 12 he rushed for over 100 yards. He just didn't get the touchdown. It was the running back 18 against the Giants defense that probably couldn't stop me running the rock. Kyron is about to go nuclear 25 kill streak modern warfare two here up against the Giants. I will have him ranked as a top five back and he is an obvious must start running back. Now Rolls Royce Freeman when he was the lead back when Kyron Williams was hurt. He was actually pretty solid, but ever since Kyron returned, Royce has been virtually irrelevant. You can't see him. He's like John Cena. He barely sees any touches. I would be shocked if he saw more than eight touches this week, so there's no need to play him. Now, Saquon Barkley had a great game on Christmas up against the Eagles with 23 carries for 80 yards and three receptions on six targets for four yards and a touchdown. Sadly, my boy, the Bassin Bison, the Italiano quarterback, Tommy DeVito, got benched for Tyrod, but that actually might end up being better for Barkley. This man has been incredibly up and down as of recently, and this is another offense that any given week could totally shock you, right? You might expect them to look good in a game, and they'll look like ass, right? And then you expect them to look bad, and they come out, and they actually look pretty good. So this is a very hard defense and offense to read because we've seen the Giants have some good games defensively. But again, I still think even if they have their best day, Kyron's still running a train on them. This matchup against the Rams is pretty scary for Saquon Barkley. So I can't have him ranked inside the top 12, but he's a high to middle of the road running back two for me this week, mostly due to the matchup scaring me. Matt Burita saw one touch last week with Barkley healthy. Burita shouldn't even be rostered in like 32 people leagues. Next up, we move to the Arizona Cardinals at the Philadelphia Eagles. If you guys have enjoyed today's video thus far, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below if you're new and whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you leave a like on today's video. So James Conner has been a top 12 back in three straight games against the Eagles that while they have been much better defensively ever since the pencil-in-the-ear bastard Patricia took over the defensive play calling, Connor is a guy that really intrigues me this week. Over the last few weeks, I have been very hesitant to sit here and tell you guys that I really liked James Connor because I almost felt like it was a little bit of a fluke early on, right? When he started having these good games, it was like, okay, but he's been kind of bad before that, right? So I was worried. And then last week, he's going up against a tough Bears run defense. And I'm starting to think that, hey, I don't know how much I want to tell you guys to aggressively start Connor because this is a defense that's been Arnold Schwarzenegger level hard against the run, right? They're very, very strong 
against the run. And then he goes out there and just basically butt fucks him without the use of lube, right? Connor has a huge game. So now I have to give him his flowers. Expert consensus rankings on fantasy pros have him ranked as the running back 28. And I will have to have him ranked much higher than that. Now I am fully ready to potentially get run amok here by James Connor. But at the very least, I think he should be a top 24 back. Imari DiMarcado had a decent game last week, scoring 12 points against the Bears, with mostly due to his receiving upside, seven receptions for 40 yards in that game, marking now back-to-back -back weeks as a top 24 back for Amori. But even with all of this great that has happened to DiMarcado recently, I would stay clear away from him because of the matchup here against the Eagles. And again, both of those games, you know, he had the crazy amount of targets last week. The game before that, he played up against the 49ers and got a couple touches and was able to run pretty effectively and score a touchdown. But I just don't really think that Imari DiMarcado should be in the cards for you this week. For the Philadelphia Eagles, we got DeAndre Swift. Now, last week really felt like a Christmas miracle on Christmas because this motherfucker scored a touchdown, right? You never see Swift score a touchdown, and the good old Christmas football gods rained upon us joy as Swift jumps into the end zone against the Giants. He had 20 rushes for 92 yards and a touchdown. While having a good game against the Giants is nothing to write home about, it does make me feel a little bit more confident entering into this game. After from weeks 12 to 15, he's been basically terrible. Going against the awful Cardinals defense, I expect a good game out of him, but I'm not going to go crazy here and rank him as a top 12 running back. He's a middle of the road running back two for me this week because again, we all know if they get to the one yard line, it's tush push central. Kenneth Gainwell had one of his better performances on the year last week against the Giants scoring 11 points, but even against the Cardinals, you're greatly overthinking things if you're planning on starting him. Next up, we move to the New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but before we break down a game in the best division in football, right? Everyone loves the NFC South, right? So thrilling, all of those teams, but uh, besides the Bucs, I think the Bucs are actually kind of a fun team to watch, so I may have just contradicted myself. But before we talk about this game, as well as the rest of the games, all the way up until Sunday Night Football, there's no Monday Night Football this week, I would like to give you guys a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe, and today, Underdog Fantasy has a great offer for you guys, but first, I want to explain how the Pick'em game works. So you're going to have to pick a minimum of two players from at least two different teams, so you can't, for instance, just take two players on the Lions. If you did want to do that, you'd have to match it with a player from another team. You can go with the Jets, the Browns. They have every single game on here as the week goes along. They will add more and more picks. So we're going to talk about the Lions at the Cowboys game here. First, we are going to go ahead and go with C.D. Lamb higher than 90 and a half receiving yards, I think, up against the Lions defense. C.D. Lamb should be able to have a feast in this game, and we are going to match that with David Montgomery higher than 52 and a half rushing yards. I think you can definitely take advantage of the Dallas Cowboys by running the ball, and it feels like they definitely want to get David Montgomery 15 plus touches in this game, and I think he could definitely eclipse 52 and a half rushing yards. So if both C.D. Lamb and David Montgomery go higher on their number, you will see three times your 
entry fee. If you do three picks, that's six times. Four picks is 10 times. And five picks is 20 times your entry fee, assuming that all of them hit. Now, if you are new to Underdog Fantasy and live in one of the states on your screen right now, you'll receive a first match deposit bonus of up to $100 with promo code Notorious. So if you deposit $100, they give you an additional $100. You do $50, get an additional $50, $25, additional $25. The minimum deposit on Underdog Fantasy is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things here, Saints at Bucks again. Shout out to Underdog Fantasy. So Alvin Kamara last week, prime time. Everyone's watching Thursday Night Football. Alvin Kamara takes a shit directly on your chest if you played him against the Rams, which I assume every single person did. As you don't sit Alvin Kamara. The man had nine rushes for 19 yards and five receptions on six targets for 16 yards. Now, if you didn't watch the game and you're just a box score watcher, you would have thought, wow. Would you look at that? The Saints played very close with the Rams. This was a very hard-fought game by the Saints. When in reality, this was a game where the Saints could only start moving the ball once the game was already out of hand in garbage time. Kamara struggling one game, though, should put virtually zero worry into your mind, right? You shouldn't be worried one bit, as he is a must-start running back every single week and has only had one down game this season which just so happens to have been last week against the Rams against the Bucks I expect him to hop back onto the saddle like his name was Clint Eastwood and go to pound town as a top five back now Jamal Williams has seen a solid bump in terms of touches recently it hasn't uh, resulted in much while I love Jamal Williams and think that he's a funny guy he's a fun Twitter follower but there's no way you are going to start a guy who has scored less than eight points in every single week of the season. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Rashad White put up another beautiful chef's kiss manuf week performance last week up against the Jaguars with 20 carries for 39 yards. I know that might have sounded like, oh, oh Nick, are you shitting on Rashad White? Because, you know, I, I said beautiful performance, then 20 carries for 39 yards, but he had six receptions for 38 yards and a touchdown. While White's efficiently, efficiently, efficiency has been awful all season, averaging just 3.6 yards per carry, it doesn't matter one bit when you get a gazillion touches every single week. He has now scored a touchdown in four straight games, and I don't expect the Rashad White train, choo-choo, to slow down this week to come to a halt up against the Saints defense. Rashad with two A's white is a must start for me this week and is a top five running back in my rankings right now. Now, for the other running back on the Bucks, Chase Edmonds saw a season high of 10 carries last week against the Jaguars. And while that is cool and all, Rashad White is the clear lead back on the team. So you should never have to consider even starting Chase Edmonds when White is healthy. Next up, we move to a matchup between the San Francisco 49ers, who just got absolutely embarrassed on Monday Night Football by the Ravens at the Washington Commanders. Now, even in a game where the 49ers got bullied, they got shoved into a locker, they got hit with the swirly special, they got hit with everything. The 49ers got skull-fucked by the Ravens. That is the easiest way to describe it. This was a butt-fucking of sorts. McCaffrey still feasted, though. 14 carries for 103 yards, 6 receptions on 10 targets for 27 yards, and the touchdown. Yow, now, you have to know what is about to come this game, right? The 49ers just got basically passed around by the Ravens, and now they get to play the Commanders, right? Every single thing went wrong for the 49ers. They benched MVP Brock Purdy, and 
they had to start Sam Darnold at the end of the game because Purdy was giving out turnovers like it was Thanksgiving. Now, I assume this is going to be a day of reckoning for the Commanders. Again, Purdy literally played like fucking Ray Charles last week. So CMC will be the running back one in my rankings. There should be zero questions about that. Jordan, the numbers, Mason, what do they mean? Is the handcuff for Christian McCaffrey, but that's about all we have to say about him with McCaffrey healthy. Knock on wood, Mason belongs on the bench. Now, the commanders have a bit of a confusing running back room. Not because, like, you don't know who the starter is when everyone's healthy, but because we don't know if Brian Robinson is going to end up playing or not. Now, Gibson had a pretty meh game last week up against the Jets in MetLife. Nine carries for 30 yards, one reception for two yards, and a touchdown. Against the 49ers, even if B-Rob is out again, I would rather just roll the dice with Chris Rodriguez, who we're about to talk about in a couple of seconds, compared to starting Gibby Antonio Gibson. Also, the commanders are yet to announce who their starting quarterback is, and I think, uh, me think, it's not going to end up being... Sam Howell, because the offense has looked so much better with Jacoby Brissett as of recently. Brian Robinson. Now, B-Rob has missed now his second consecutive game on Sunday with a hamstring injury that he suffered up against the Miami Dolphins in week 13 in Washington. I honestly don't think, like if you're thinking from a managerial standpoint, right, the ownership standpoint, the team standpoint, well, Riverboat Ron's out of there, so maybe he doesn't give a shit. But it wouldn't really be smart for, even if he's 80%, to play him since the team's dead and B-Rob is still a young player. Now, again, we shall see. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that he's out, but personally, just looking at things from an outside view, I don't think he should play. Now, if he plays, I'm not playing him against the 49ers. I can't, Nick, the 49ers just got destroyed by the Ravens. The Ravens are up here, right? They're outside of the box here. And the commanders are like by my toes underneath the fucking desk, like all the way down past the bottom of the box, right? They are terrible. So, he does play against the 49ers. I'm just not doing it. Uh, if he misses and you desperately need a start, you could play Rodriguez, who went off last week, 10 rushes for 58 yards, one reception for 70 yards and two touchdowns. So again, you definitely would want to temper your expectations up against the Niners defense because again, the Niners defense is going to be just as angry as their offense. Next up, we move to the care O-Lina Panthers going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. Who knows if Trevor Lawrence is going to suit up and the Jaguars might be saying bye-bye to the playoffs. It might be. Now, maybe they fall into there, but the Jaguars are a team that I had high, high hopes for in the offseason and they are going to get fucking steamrolled potentially if they make the playoffs like i don't see i like the jaguars i love i love jagging off metaphorically i love their mascot he seems to be pretty funny but man oh man this is a team that is basically just floating with their head like their, their nose is just slightly above water their mouth's underwater and they're about to get thrown some chains on them and end up sleeping with the fishes fucking soprano style so chuba Cuba Hubbard has gotten 16 or more carries in four straight games for the Panthers and continues to be the clear, without a shadow of doubt, without any doubt, I guess. Shadow of doubt, is that the correct saying? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Who gives a fuck? Without any doubt, I have zero doubt that he's the lead back. A team that is normally down in the dumps throws to the occasion up against a bottom-of-the-barrel Packers defense last week. 
Chuba, though, had 16 carries for 43 yards and one reception on one targets for eight yards and a touchdown. While the Panthers did end up losing that game, seeing the offense perform that strongly was awesome. Chuba definitely isn't the most ideal start as the offense could fall straight back on their face this week, right up against the Jaguars defense, but the Jaguars defense hasn't been that great as of recently, so it's possible Chuba has a big game. At the end of the day, he's a very reliable top 24 guy and should be ranked as such. Now, Miles Sanders runs like he's stuck in quicksand. He runs at the speed that old people have intercourse, which I'd have to assume is pretty slow. The guy is so bad that it is actually shocking. He hasn't scored over 10 points since week three, so there's no need to start him if for some reason he's, if he's even on your fantasy team at this point, maybe you just held on to him because he's your favorite player and he's the mascot for your fantasy team. Uh, Travis Etienne saw just nine touches last week as the Jaguars got buried by Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. Trevor Lawrence was seeing ghosts like his name was Sam Darnold and Etienne had his worst performance of the season. Now, if there ever was a spot to bounce back, it would be up against the Panthers defense. I've been ranked as a top 12 running back this week. And I am ready to potentially get hurt again. Maybe Lawrence plays. Maybe it's Big Dick C.J. Beathard. But, uh, it'll play ETN. I'm going to believe in him. But again, I'm not the most confident in it. Dearness Johnson will get five touches on his luckiest day. With how bad the Jaguars look, you're not starting a five-touch player on the Jaguars. Next up, we got the Miami Dolphins at the Baltimore Ravens, the game of the week. As a Dolphins fan, I'm rocking my Dolphins hoodie that my fiance got me for Christmas. Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate that. Nick, your fiance's name is Nicole. Isn't that a little bit weird? Nick and Nicole, ha ha. No, she, she ain't funny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, uh, shout out to her for getting me the sweatshirt. She also got me a PS5. So shout out to her. Gonna go play some Spider-Man later, hopefully. So Raheem, the, so this is, again, this is game of the week. Game of the century. The biggest Dolphins game as the playoff game last year, right? This is a game where the Dolphins have to show up because even though they beat the Cowboys, exactly what I said was going to happen, happened. They win the Fraud Bowl, but people are still like, oh, you only beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys suck away from home. The Cowboys this, the Cowboys that. The Dolphins barely won the game, this, that, and the other thing. I don't care if they barely won the game. Beat the fucking Cowboys. All the narrative all year. They can't beat a team over. They can't beat a team over 500, Nick, you fucking buffoon. They're frauds. Guess what? We just beat the Cowboys. While I'm not saying that this is a guaranteed upset, I think the Dolphins can beat the Ravens. Might sound crazy based upon what we saw with the 49ers, but I think we can. It was 2-0 against the Ravens. Tua made a huge comeback last week against, or last year against the Ravens. And I think Tua is ready to do it again. Now, playing potentially without Waddle is going to suck really bad. But I think that the Dolphins offense do it. I think the defense can do it. And I think that the Dolphins will end up being the Ravens again. I'm not going to say that this is a guarantee. Bet your fucking mortgage. Take a second mortgage out. Bet the Dolphins. But I like the Dolphins in this game. I like the Dolphins every week, though, as a Dolphins fan. Now, back into not being a fan. Back into trying to assess things from a fantasy football standpoint. Now, Raheem the Wet Dream Mostert had a down game last week against the Cowboys, but it was still a fine game, just a down game for Raheem. 11 carries for 46 yards and one reception on one target for four yards and a touchdown as the running back 21. Raheem Mostert is the running back two on the season, so when he's the running back 21, it's a disappointment. 
obviously, but again, that's not that bad of a game at the end of the day. He has now scored one or more touchdowns in five straight games with eight touchdowns total in that stretch of games. The Ravens defense, and again, Mostert did get banged up in that game and returned late, so he could have had an even better game if he had stayed healthy. The Ravens defense definitely scares me, but based upon how amazing Mostert has done this season, I'm going to just close my eyes and lock him in as a top 12 running back. He deserves to be that at this point. McCaffrey had a good game against them. Nick, McCaffrey's not as good as Mostert, you idiot. I know, but I still think Mostert will have a fine day. Now, for Devin A-Chain, while Mostert has been surfing in the end zone, that's a celebration, weekly, A-Chain has been all aboard the struggle bus. His touches have reduced weekly, and my patience is starting to dwindle. But, he's going to be a low-end running back to in my rankings, since the upside is there, right? A-Chain's a guy that could get four carries and have 150 yards and two touchdowns. He could. Now, that's not a guarantee, obviously, and I'm not even going to guarantee that he actually puts up top 24 numbers, but the upside is too high to truly bury him and rank him super low. And without Waddle, maybe they look to involve A-Chain a little bit more. Again, Waddle might play. I hope he plays, but based upon the injury they're saying he, he has, like the, the rumors are it's a high ankle sprain. That sucks. Um... You saw Tyreek miss a game like that, right? Tyreek's was a high ankle sprain. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I do expect Waddle to be back in the playoffs. I don't know if he'll be back during the regular season because there's two games left. Now, the Gus bus is back in the driver's seat after the Keaton Mitchell injury. Back-to-back -back weeks now with a touchdown. He continues to get a suspect amount of touches weekly, but it's like magic. He always scores. I don't know what it is, but he always finds his way into the end zone. He is far from a safe option, but will probably score again this week, so won't shit the bed. He's in the running back three range for me again because the touches just fluctuate so much weekly. Justice Hill is now the running back two behind Edwards as Melvin Gordon didn't even touch the ball last week. Hill is a fine running back, but has no touchdown upside with Gus there, so I wouldn't even consider starting him. Next up, we got the Titans, the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. Now, Tractor Cito, Derrick Henry, had a strong performance last week against Seattle, looking like the best quarterback on the team with uh, Tannehill back out there as he threw for a touchdown, as well as rushing one in for 19 yards, and he had 80, or, or 19 yards. I read that wrong. You that read wrong. Uh, he also rushed a touchdown in. He had 19 carries with 88 yards and one reception for 11 yards with two total touchdowns. Again, one passing, one rushing. Facing the Texans, who should have Stroud back, this screams, this reeks of negative game script for Henry, who scored just five fantasy points the last time these two teams played. But if you look back at Derrick Henry's career, normally against opponents in the AFC South, Derrick Henry turns into fucking Optimus Prime, turns into prime Adrian Peterson, and runs train on the defense. The like Henry. I do. Shout out Post Malone. But... He will be ranked as a mid-range running back, too, due to the disappointment that may occur if things go wrong for the Titans. For Tajay Spears, this game screams to me. Nick, this is going to be a game where the, the game script is positive for Tajay Spears. But even at that point, he probably still won't crack the top 12. I think if your running back core is in a bad spot, there are far worse options to start this week than Spears. But if you got to your fantasy championship probably don't need to play Spears, right? So I wouldn't bet my doubloons that Spears shows up here. For Devin Singletary, he had a dud of a game last week against the Browns. If he would have just scored one more touchdown, just a touchdown last week, your boy would have been a lot richer with my DFS lineups, but it is what it is. I still had a good day. 
DFS, he had nine carries for 44 yards and three receptions for 19 yards. Though, much of that can be attributed to having Case Keenum trying to go toe-to-toe with an elite defense in the Browns, which is never going to go well. Against the Titans, we should see Singletary have a much better showing as he is still, in my opinion, the clear lead back on the team. I hope that Stroud is back because that would really give Singletary the potential boost that he needs. He's a low-end running back too for me. As of right now, he's in that running back 22 to 24 range. Damian Pierce rushed three times for six yards last week as he continues his run of being terrible. No need to even have Pierce on your fantasy team. Next up, we move to the start of the four o'clock slate. We have one, two, three games on the four o'clock slate and then Sunday night football because again, there is no Monday night football. So the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Kenneth Walker III last week, I was feeling real strong on Kenneth Walker. Look good the game before, and I'm like, you know what, man? Against the Titans, this is a wet dream matchup, a matchup that'll have you salivating the night before if you had Kenneth Walker. And then, didn't do good. No bueno, as they say, scoring just seven fantasy points. He did see his normal amount of touches, too, so it wasn't like, oh, he only got five touches. No, he got 18 touches and was still a huge letdown. Even against a solid Steelers defense, I still think you have to lean on Walker as being an upper echelon start. The whole Seahawks team crumbled like a fucking Jenga tower last week, and I just think they're going to come back stronger this week, elevating Walker to be a top 12 back. But again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm fully confident in that. Then they got Zach Charbonnet. Now, Charbonnet has barely seen five touches a game when Walker is healthy. You simply can't start a guy who gets five touches a game against the fucking Steelers. For the Steelers, Najee had a solid game last week against the Bengals with 19 carries for 78 yards and a score. And this season, I've probably talked for like, you know, it's week 17. So there's two videos every week talking about running backs. They're both pretty long. 40 plus minutes for both of them most weeks, right? So I've probably talked for hours at this point in the season about how Jalen Warren should be the lead back, right? But at this point in the season, I won't waste my breath yapping, sitting here for fucking hours talking about Jalen Warren, this, that, and the other thing, because it's not going to happen. I think Najee is a fine desperation fringe dark guy, right? If you are fully desperate, you're like, oh my gosh, my running back core is this, it's that. Need to play Najee, then go ahead. But I'm not going to sit here and just pretend to count on Najee Harris and be like, Najee's a great start, right? He's just barely, like just the tip into being a start. Jalen Warren had eight rushes for 24 yards and five receptions on six targets for 30 yards last week. Warren is a great player. He averages 5.3 yards per carry. But with the team sticking with Najee as the guy, I simply cannot get myself to start him. Next up, we move to week number four. The fuck am I talking about? <laughs> we move to the next game here in the four o'clock slate. I don't know why I just started saying we move into like week 14 is what I was about to say. It's week 17. Uh, the week just doesn't magically change in the middle of the video. Uh, the Chargers at the Denver Broncos. Nice vision rivalry matchup in the in the East. Uh, Eckler had a decent game last week against the Bills with 15 carries for 65 yards and three receptions for 21 yards. I know where you drafted Eckler, that is terrible. But based upon what we've seen a lot of this season, that's actually good for Eckler. Nice. Uh, I think he should finish at a similar range this week. The firing of Brandon Staley has truly fired this team up, right? I said this in the waiver wire video. It kind of lit a fire under the Chargers' metaphorical ass and has kind of fired them up, right? With Jif, like like GIF, like the Jif, the, uh, how do you say his name? Is it GIF or Jif? You know, it's like the fucking uh, moving image. What would you call it? Like the 
gif, like a video, you know what I'm talking about, as the interim head coach, I am not going to sit here and pretend that Eckler's magically back, this, that, and the other thing. But with the offense feeling energized like the bunny, Eckler should be okay this week. Josh Kelly had a grand total of negative two yards last week. Kelly is a five-touch at, Mac, at max guy. On an Easton stick offense, you don't play him. Now we move to the Broncos. Devontae Williams has mustered under 30 all-purpose yards now in back-to-back -back weeks. Now, last week against the Patriots, he lucked out and got a touchdown, right? So, you know, it could have been way worse for Devontae, if we're being honest with you. But just because he scored that touchdown, he didn't have a great day. He only scored 11 fantasy points. Now, I get the Chargers defense isn't great against the run, but with partly how inept the Broncos team looks and with how the Chargers defense played against the, the Bills, like, again, maybe this is a team that really is fired up now that Brandon Staley's gone. They're going to try and go out there and eat a W. Famous Winston style. So, Devontae is on my bench. Samaj P. Ryan still has that fun burst that he's had all season, but the problem is the team reeks to high heaven, and even against the Chargers defense, there is no need to start P. Ryan, who most weeks doesn't even see six touches. Next up, we got the Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs, the penultimate game here now. Oh, man. And, oh, man, the Kansas City Chiefs look dead. Now, they're making the playoffs, you know... Never count Mahomes out, this, that, and the other thing, but I'm starting to count Mahomes out. I'm starting to think, you know what? I've given Mahomes a uh, fucking, he is like, he's like a cat. He's got like nine lives. I've given him all these excuses, right? A laundry list of excuses, a CVS receipt level of excuses, the Declaration of Independence, a level of um, excuses. And guess what? I'm done with the excuses. Now I get his receivers aren't that great, Nick. I know, but his receivers weren't that great last year, and he won the Super Bowl. Now again, not going to pretend Mahomes is the whole problem because he is not. Chiefs team. That I, right now, I don't see them winning a playoff game. Now, it depends who they play in the first round, right? They're not going to get the one seed, so maybe they play a, sh a bad team and they, they're able to beat them. That wouldn't be that surprising, right? But do I see the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game? No. Now, again, I know people will be like, Nick, you got to be scared of the Chiefs and Andy Reid in the playoffs. This, that, and other thing. And maybe they do pull a rabbit out the hat. Maybe they do make a playoff run. But based upon everything I've seen recently, there's no way that you can believe that. Now, Pacheco missed part of the Raiders game as he got a concussion after his helmet was knocked off and he took a knee to the head WWE style. Now, I never make fun of injuries, so that's not what I'm trying to do, but it was kind of funny. Not when he got hit, right? Obviously, that's not fucking funny uh, when he got fucking kneed in the dome. But what was funny is Pacheco gets hurt. Oh, damn it. I hope Pacheco is able to come back. And then he goes to sit on the injury table thing that's inside of the uh, blue tent. So they always, I don't know how, how much you guys pay attention during the games. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. I have no idea. But they, there's like a table and then they kind of lift the blue tent up. So the blue tent always, isn't always just sitting out there. Well, it is always sitting there, but it's closed. So they have to like fucking ring it open, you know, bring it open. So Pacheco goes to sit on the, the thing that goes inside the tent. And before they get to close it up, he sits on it. And the it was like a double, it was a double WWE. He gets kneed in the head and then he goes to sit on the table and he falls right through the thing. Now, again, I'm not making fun of his injury. It was just funny. Like, it would be funny if anyone did that. Like, imagine if uh, someone goes to walk to the bench, they sit on the bench, and the bench just, just goes in, right? And they fall through the bench. That's funny. Anytime someone falls, it's funny. 
So I thought that was hilarious when it happened. I don't remember watching it on TV, but I watched it on Twitter like 50 times because it wasn't even one of those where it like slowly breaks. Like it was almost like one of those WWE tables that was literally meant to break. So he sits in it and it instantly combusts on him. It was very funny. So prior to that injury though, Pacheco had a pretty game, you know, a pretty mad game. Uh, 11 carries for 26 yards, four receptions on four targets. And a touchdown, uh, even with the Chiefs offense looking like the Jets offense at points this season when Pacheco suits up, he's most likely going to be a top 12 guy. So he's going to be top 12 back in my rankings. If Pacheco was to miss, then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would be elevated into the start category. Now, I'm not going to get on my knees here, give him the Gok 9000 special here and say that he is a must start like Pacheco would be. But with McKinnon on the IR. DH is the clear lead back in that scenario and should be able to have a top 24 at minimum game if Pacheco plays. No need to start Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because even without McKinnon, he's probably only going to get like six-ish touches. Now we move to Sunday night football, the Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Now I like that this game is at night because, you know, all these games are taking place Sunday, New Year's Eve. So guess what? When you're at a New Year's Eve party, right? A lot of people were pissed, like, oh my god, the Dolphins-Ravens should be on Sunday Night Football. You don't want to be at some party fucking watching the game, and it's some game you actually, like, it's it's a good game. All right, now this game could be good. It wouldn't shock me, but I'm not <laughs> waking up on, sun on Sunday thinking, oh, I can't wait to watch the Packers at the Vikings. Right now, this is pretty much an elimination game for the playoffs, I believe, but again... This isn't a game that I'm very excited about. So I'm glad that the, the game's kind of mid, right? Like if you're watching at the party, you can like half pay attention. It's fun, right? It's a fun game. You can go home, watch the highlights later, or I'll just watch the whole game uh, the next day. If I don't get a chance to watch it, I will be watching it because I'll be at my friend's house. So I know the game's going to be on, but the good to have like a kind of a mid game. Like last year, there were legitimate like college football playoff games. And I forgot which game it was, but someone won on a field goal as it hit midnight. So it's like, I don't want to be that invested into something on New Year's Eve, in my opinion. Maybe like, Nick, you're an idiot. I would rather it be like the best game of the week for me. I say no, but again, that has nothing to do with anything. And we're already almost at like 50 fucking minutes. It probably is already 50 minutes at this point. So uh, let's just get, get out of here. So uh, Aaron Jones looked a lot like the Aaron Jones that we've come accustomed to know and love last week against the Panthers in Carolina with 21 carries for 127 yards and one reception for eight yards. Now, he didn't end up scoring a touchdown to be kind of the end cap to the game, right, to give him that huge performance, but he definitely looked great. Even with A.J. Dillon back, 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 back and healthy in the lineup, Jones was the clear lead back. This matchup against the Vikings doesn't give me the most confidence in the world, but as long as the team does commit to the run in this game, he should be at the very least a top 20 back. I got him as a mid-range RB2. Definitely prefer him over the other running back in this game, Ty Chandler. So, A.J. Dillon. Every week we make fun of A.J. Dillon, so I'll give you a new one, right? Normally we make fun of, oh my god, he has these huge legs. They still can't run. He runs like he is a stick shoved directly up his ass. Like, they took, you know in Survivor? They have, like, the stick with the flame on it. I'm forgetting what it's called. It's not a tome. Whatever you want to call that. Nick, it has a real name, I know. But the... Basically, you know, took the fire out and shoved that thing directly up his ass. That's how he runs. Sure, he found the end zone last week, which sucked big time if you had Aaron Jones. But with Aaron Jones healthy, 
you're not starting Dylan. And frankly, even when Jones was hurt, there was no need to play Dylan because he looked that bad. Ty Chandler had eight carries for 17 yards and a touchdown last week in a disaster class game out of Nick Mullins against the Lions. I expect the Vikings to bounce back as the Packers defense cannot stop a nosebleed. So Chandler should be back as a top 24 guy. It was clear last week that Madison is behind Chandler and the team wants to feature Chandler as the guy. Do not panic too much about last week. Madison got two carries last week for negative one yards. I expect him to get a slight tick up and carries as was in production as the matchup gets easier but this is Chandler's backfield now leave Madison on the pines thank you guys all so much for watching if you didn't enjoying make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below as well as hit that like button it would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on twitter or x please do so at notorious fntsy love you guys all so much I hope you have a great rest of your guys day and check out one of the videos on your screen if you haven't seen them already love you guys all so much hope you had a merry christmas happy holidays love you guys